significantly with President Tim Trainer. This podcast provides our listeners with an opportunity to learn more about the Mount, our alumni, and how we live significantly. We're very excited for what is coming up next. We live significantly and can't wait to offer you an inside look into the Mount. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my pleasure to introduce President Tim Trainer. Hello, and welcome to the Mount St. Mary's University podcast, Live Significantly with President Tim Trainer. I am very pleased to serve as the president of Mount St. Mary's. And on this episode, it is my distinct pleasure to welcome Colin Ward, class of 1994, to the Live Significantly podcast. Colin, can you please start off by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, thanks for having me back on campus. Um, I'm class of 94, as you mentioned, and I uh, graduated with a degree in rhetoric and writing, uh, which preceded the communications uh, degrees here. And then I, I moved on to broadcasting first in Baltimore at WBAL-TV, uh, then moved on to ESPN and worked at ESPN for a number of years and uh, made a pivot into healthcare uh, in, in 2002. And uh, so I went to back to school and uh, got a master's and doctoral degree in healthcare leadership and management. And now I work at a uh, healthcare system in Maryland. That's awesome, Colin. A lot of, lot of change in, in your career pattern. But so I'm interested, and we're, we'll pursue that a little more later on. But as you were going through your college application process, what made you choose the Mount? Well, I was indoctrinated at a young age. Uh, my, my father graduated from Mount St. Mary's. My mother went to St. Joe's. Uh, we spent many fall, uh, you know, picking apples at the orchard down Route 15 and uh, always made it to a basketball game here with Coach Phelan in the wintertime. So I, I knew probably from the time I was seven or eight years old uh, that Mount St. Mary's was going to be the place for me. And a few years, I have an older sister who, who went to the Mount as well. So once she, once she got in and decided she was going to go to the Mount, I pretty much knew that's where I was going to be as well. That's great. And I hear a lot of stories about, we call them legacy families, but uh, your family has, been, has such a great legacy at the Mount. So during your time at the Mount, uh, was there one, who, who was your biggest influence as you were graduating and entering the business world? Well, you know, there are a lot of people that are influential, um, and and some of those are uh, some of those are the, just the people that you live with in the dorms, um, and uh, you know, so I was lucky enough just by by sheer luck of the draw to get matched up with Mike Zinzi as my roommate freshman year, and we lived together all four years, and we're very close friends still to this day. Um, but I think you know the the way that the um, the freshman seminar was set up really led to my initial success in broadcasting. So we had to, as, an, uh, as one of our projects during heading into the Christmas break, we had to interview someone in a field that we were interested in. And I interviewed a person named Vince Bagley, uh, who was very famous in Baltimore, longtime legendary sportscaster. And um, at the end of that interview, he said, hey, why don't you come back in the summer and you can be an intern? And so I, I got the internship. I wasn't even trying for the internship, and I, I got the internship. I probably didn't even know there was such a thing as an internship at the time. But I, I got the internship, and I, I worked there every year in the summertime and every break that we had. And by the time I graduated, they said, hey, do you, do you want to come and, and work for us? And, uh, and I really kind of owe it to the structure of, of the freshman seminar and the core at the time um, to really set that up for me. 
you know, there are other people along the way. So there are influential professors uh, for sure. And Father Tom uh, living in Pang, I, w- I, I lived in Pang freshman year. He was obviously a, a big influence sort of in how it, he, he made a lot of us grow up pretty quick. So, uh, so I would say he's an influence as well. Wow, that's that's super. And now, now under now that I understand your uh, original professional uh, um, career there, I understand why you're the MC of the Mount Athletic Hall of Fame, and you do a superb job. And you include you tell great stories and facts about the Mount and the and athletics when you MC that uh, Hall of Fame event. How do you prepare for that event? Well, I, I broadcast the uh, Ravens games for uh, the Baltimore radio station WBAL, and there was a lot of preparation that went into those broadcasts. So it's a three-hour football game, but probably by Tuesday, you're starting to think about different storylines and how they may play out, and you're gathering uh, some information. Uh, they call them stats. A lot of it's party trivia, but you know the, the quarterback is three for 10 against left-handed defensive linemen. Uh, and I, I would treat that, um, you know, the Hall of Fame induction sort of in a similar way. So you're trying to gather a little bit of information to make things a little more personal. It's a huge day for the people that are being inducted into the Athletic Hall of Fame. Um, so you want to make sure that you have a good handle on what their accomplishments were, but you want to talk to somebody that may have played with them or maybe went to school with them or knew them from class and how hard they worked in the classroom as well as on the field and try and weave some of those stories in. And honestly, uh, there's, there's probably a good chunk of my life, 30 years or so, where I watched many of these people perform uh, in their given sport. So, you know, there's, there's just personal experience that I was able to draw from. And then, and then of course, there's my own athletic failures here at Mount St. Mary's that I can, <laughs> I can draw on, too, to just contrast how exceptional these folks are. Well, I, I don't know about uh, uh, failures athletically, Colin. I'm sure you did great on the fields of no, friendly. You don't know about failure <laughs> athletically. I know about <laughs> failure athletically. <laughs> on the fields of friendly strife, so to speak. But, you know, I, I really appreciate all the work you do in preparing for uh, to be the MC on those events because you do a, an absolutely fabulous job. And uh, I and the rest of the Mount community are thankful for that. Yeah, thank you. Um, so thank you, Colin. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. The team behind our team is our dedicated Mount fans. Please visit mountathletics.com to check the schedules of your favorite teams and to learn more about our great student-athletes. Go Mount! Welcome back. Uh, Colin, as the Vice President of Population Health and Clinical Integration, what has been the biggest challenge for you since the pandemic started? Well, I think the first challenge is to not get COVID. Uh, that's the key. <laughs> that's the name of the game here. Um, but I do think, uh, you know, communication has been a, a big challenge because um, we, I work in a health system in, in uh, a town called Bel Air. It's a little bit north of, of Baltimore City. And um, there are a lot of moving parts in a healthcare delivery system. So you've got primary care physicians. You've got specialty physicians like a cardiologist. Uh, you've got the hospital itself. You've got post-acute facilities, uh, skilled nursing, home health agencies. There's a lot of folks that are involved in caring for patients along the way. And we didn't know a lot as a healthcare delivery system about COVID. How was it spread? What were the best practices to prevent the spread? How would we treat a patient? Was there anything that could be done prophylactically in the primary care office um, all the way through to the skilled nursing facility? What do we do if we run out of, of N95 masks? There was a lot of nervousness about that. And, you know, 
our goal as an organization was to really communicate often, frequently, um, even if we didn't know more than a day's worth of information. So here's what we can tell you about the next 24 hours. We had to come up with a way to really keep everyone informed so that they could be the calm, reassuring uh, voice for patients in the community that were very nervous in a lot of ways. Um, so we, we really um, developed a communication paradigm. We tried to support the, the practice of care delivery in any way that we could um, so that they could concentrate. The, the clinicians were often learning on the fly about what the best practices were as well. So you want to take away any other worries they may have. And often those are just ab- about lack of information. Um, and so our, our biggest challenge was how do we make sure that everybody's informed, as well informed as we can be at the time uh, that we have that information. So, Colin, I, 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 I'm, I, tremendous challenges, but also tremendous success on on your part and your your hospital, your organization's uh, um, part for do, uh, dealing with this significant COVID pandemic. Yeah, no, I think we've gotten a little bit better with you know how we care for people. There's been a little more agreement on what the treatment is, um, you know, but uh, we don't know everything still. And so it's, it's sort of a work in progress. For sure. So it's a work in progress here at the Mount. What do you see uh, schools like the Mount doing right when it comes to COVID-19 preventative measures? Well, you know, from everything that I can tell, you guys are really hitting it out of the ballpark here. So you've got the ability to test uh, some of the waste uh, that's leaving the dorms to be able to isolate um, whether or not there is any COVID uh, in the different dorms. You've got uh, rigorous testing protocols in place so that if you find something, you can quickly quarantine people and get them tested and become more definitive. Uh, just getting on campus this morning to fill out the health questionnaire, get the temperature checked. Uh, restricting access to certain buildings. Now, you can't have a bubble like the NBA just did in Orlando. I mean, they went months without a positive test, and they were able to pull off the end of their season and the playoffs all the way through the championship. Uh, short of that, having people come and go from the campus, you're, you're doing all of the best practices to be able to isolate quickly if anyone has it, uh, quarantine them, and prevent the spread. So um, from what I can tell, kudos to you. Thanks, Colin. And, and, you know, and I'm proud of our students and our community for uh, um, for being vigilant about this. And as we've talked before, we just can't get complacent on those measures. So how can how can schools and the public improve their efforts in preventing the spread of COVID-19? Well, I do. You just use the right word. It's it's vigilance. So we are, you know, many, many months now into this pandemic in the United States, and it's just becoming more and more difficult, more of a challenge to stay on those best practices. So it's the social distancing, the hand hygiene. Um, it, it is, um, you know, wearing the masks in the in the appropriate places. Um, you know, if you park in any big parking lot, uh, you'll you'll often find people that have to turn back and go to their car because they forgot to put their mask on. Um, so it's just a challenge. And it's, um, you know, it's a bit of a brain drain as well to, to constantly be thinking about these things. Um, but if you if you do those things right, you're going to really try and uh, limit the, the spread of covid as best you can. For sure. Um, Well, thanks for those insights, Colin. Let's take a final break and we'll be back to wrap up this edition of Live Significantly. How do you want to be remembered? Please consider including Mount St. Mary's in your will or state plan. Remembering the Mount in your plan is easy, qualifies you for membership in our 1808 Society, and will provide opportunities for future students to call the Mount their home. 
For more information, visit our website at msmary.edu. Welcome back. Colin, in the future, how can we help better prevent the spread of COVID-19? Or do you think a vaccine will be out shortly to help us fight fight it? Well, there's a couple of things uh, embedded in that question. So the first is, I think we, you know, we've hit on all the items that we can do to, to try and slow the spread of COVID. Um, the, the, uh, the major spike was in the springtime, but as things are opening back up, we are seeing cases in our hospital. You know, we went from averaging three or four patients with COVID a month ago to averaging, you know, 12, 13, 14. So we are seeing some uh, increase in the number of COVID positive patients over time. But the vaccine question, I think, is a, is a little more uh, intriguing. So uh, we have been told by our local health department to start prioritizing list of people that need to get that. The, we're talking about health uh, professionals, first responders, uh, potentially those in skilled nursing facilities. We think there will be, there's two competing vaccines, one uh, that is coming out of Europe uh, and one that is being developed in the United States. And there's a lot of trepidation about should I get the vaccine or should I not? And uh, a couple of important points is, um, you know, the, these vaccines don't use any live virus. Um, the, there's concern about how quickly these vaccines are being developed. And from my understanding is that the parts of the development process that are being compressed to bring this to market quicker are the administrative bureaucratic processes. So, um, you know, something might sit on someone's desk or have to wait to go through uh, um, some kind of uh, committee for approval at, that, that has nothing to do with the science itself. It's more of a bureaucratic process. The scientific process is pretty standardized, um, and so I think that we'll get a safe vaccine. The, the next question is, when will I get it? And so, so you know, there are um, formal and informal polls that suggest, you know, up to half the people in the United States won't get the vaccine. They will opt not to get it or they will take a wait and see approach. So you get it first, let's make sure everything works, and then I'll get it. And, um, and the challenge with that is you need a certain number of, of people in the community to get the vaccine before it starts to have its, uh, you know, its impact. And the other problem here is that the, the, um, the vaccine, or COVID I should say, has really disproportionately affected minority communities. And the data suggests that um, minorities are typically skeptical of vaccination. And um, so we really need to, to figure out a way to um, help bring minority uh, folks along such that they have a comfort level in getting the vaccine um, because it can really protect them um, from the, the most extreme impact of COVID-19. So I think, I think we, we hold the line with our masks and our hand wash it, washing and our social distancing. But in the next few months, we'll probably start the rollout of a vaccine that will be impactful. And it, the, the question really then is, how quickly can we get as many people vaccinated as possible? Well, Colin, you know, you, you brought up a point there about the development of a development timeline that, you know, a lot of a lot of the press talks about things are being pushed maybe too fast for, quote, political reasons. And it's interesting. I've not heard that point about what's being pushed are the bureaucratic processes, but not necessarily the the scientific processes. So that's that's reassuring to hear. And I'm glad uh, I would hope that message would get out more widely in the press. Uh, 
um, uh, and present it that way. But I understand. And, you know, it's it's interesting. You really hit on the next question I was going to ask you about the best way to uh, we could work together to prevent the spread of COVID-19 and put an end to this pandemic. But I think it's really doing what we're doing now, but doing it consistently and everyone contributing to, as we say, uh, mask up, lather up, uh, stay apart, <laughs> and be vigilant. And th- listen, those are all things that 20-year-old Colin Ward would have a difficult time doing. Um, so, you know, it's tough. You you uh, you break away from your, your family as a freshman coming onto campus for the first time, and it's like sweet freedom. And then you're quarantined for 10 days. Um, you know, so it, it's a, an understandable challenge for um, the students that are, are here on campus. And, and that vigilance is, it has to be modeled um, by everyone. And, um, and it w- really, I believe, have an impact uh, in slowing the spread. Well, thank you, Colin. I'm going to jump to our, our final question now. And do you have any words of wisdom that you'd uh, care to share, share with our, our listeners? Absolutely. So I think the first thing is I uh, use I use every bit of my liberal arts education today. Um, I am, you know, as I mentioned earlier, communication. So, um, you know, how I write an email, even um, I, I give thought to what I might have heard from Dr. Glover or Dr. Stay, you know, 25 years ago. Uh, and, and make sure that we're hitting the right points for folks, that, that words matter, the order of words matter, that the word selection uh, is important. And I work in a clinical setting as a non-clinician, and so I have to make sure that the smarter people understand what it is that I'm trying to communicate, and then I can translate for the really smart people uh, for, for our patients in our community. So, um, you know, I think that that has really led to a, a well-rounded um, person, and it's helped me. Uh, when I first started working in broadcasting and then when I made the transition to work in healthcare, it's really served me well along the way. And, and I'm really excited to be a, a part of the exploration of a, a school of health professionals program uh, at Mount St. Mary's. So, you know, I, it, it may be, uh, you know, we're talking about the pandemic, but even pandemic aside, you know, there are a lot of needs across the healthcare continuum. And if uh, Mount St. Mary's can help prepare that next generation of caregivers um, through a, a program like this, I think it'll really benefit, you know, obviously it'll benefit people here in the Maryland area, um, but it'll, it'll benefit people across the country as well. You're so right, Colin, and I'm really excited about our initiative to to start a school of health professions. And 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 I, I loved your answer about connecting back to our liberal arts foundation because that does broadly prepare uh, our students to think critically uh, and to act ethically as they move forward in the future. And and so and live significantly and live significantly. <laughs> yeah, Colin, I've really enjoyed our time together today. But unfortunately, that's all we have uh, the time we have today. So thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us about how you live a life of significance through hard work, dedication, and leadership. Be sure to visit the Mount's website at msmary.edu slash podcast to learn more about how others are living a life of significance. Thank you all and go Mount!